We're looking for two oil boys who can grease us up before each competition. You do the thing you're scared shitless of, and you get the courage after you do it. That's the way it works. That's the dumbass way to work. It should be the other way around. You'll have to excuse my friend. The town is back that way. You should make a radical change in your lifestyle. I mean, the core of man's spirit comes from new experiences. That's the way it works. Don't worry, we'll catch our break too. Just gotta keep our eyes open. Alright, welcome to Looks Like We're Lost, episode 15. Don't fact check me, Tommy. <laughs> I'm Dustin Redazel, and joining me is a man who does his best running in a pair of van shoes. It's Tommy Cooksey. That would be correct. I would say best, uh, probably pre sixteen running. You know, just, just, just yeah, probably pre sixteen, probably middle school. I think I think my running peaked in middle school for sure. I was in that in that five to six minute range in a in a pair of Vans for the for the president's test mile. So that's <laughs> uh, it's it's been all downhill from there. You know, we, we do um, uh, Murph every year. Right on mm-hmm. um on Memorial Day. It's like I think I'm cooking in that first mile. I get back in and it's like eight twenty five. What? Damn it. I thought I was going so fast. Yeah, I did uh I ran the Chicago Marathon in twenty nineteen and I've been doing all this distance training. No plan, no intervals. I'm just stacking volume <laughs> runs, no nutrition. I'm just I've got like a water pack on and I'm just going to, I haven't even really had breakfast. I'm just going to gut out 13 miles. <laughs> and so like, I'm not training my body well at all. And then, but I'm, I'm doing a lot of running. So I think I'm getting good at it. And I decide I'm going to, I'm going to really gas it on a mile here and see what I got. And I felt like I was sprinting the entire time. 628. There you go. <laughs> just, with leg with legs that long too, man. Barely uh. a thing. Well, all the uh the talk of running. I'll bring in our guest. It's Sandy Roberts. Um Sandy, I don't want to bore you with uh tales of me and Tavi's elite running. <laughs> but thanks for joining us, man. It's awesome that uh that you came on. I, I know we got a lot of stuff to get into. Um but we're definitely gonna talk a little bit of running. Well, it's uh, it's good to be on here. Appreciate. I will say, just tuning in, both of you guys have stellar podcast voice voices. <laughs> That's very kind of you to say. Like, like I, I do. A, I'm on a. I'm a part of a podcast. I'm a co-host of another podcast that I do um, called the uh, Summer of Miles that I do with some of my running related world, and I do a co-partner. And my other partner is Pat Price. And he's just got like the, the he's steady. He's got like the NPR, like he could be on NPR. And <laughs> I made the mistake of listening to one of our episodes just to like, you know, I'm going to, and I was like, my gosh, I, I, I'm way too excited. It's like, to hear myself, like not just like hearing your own voice, but like, I, I was, I was fluctuating wildly. It's like hard to follow. And there's just certain voices that are made that like just really, sound have like a deep you know tenor or baritone on podcasts and just are are pleasing to the ear and mine is just not that so 
I'm glad that as host, y'all have that. I just want to say that much. Yeah, I have a filter on my mic, so I'm totally kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then what's we- funny? What's funny about that, Sandy, is when we first started trying to podcast together, uh, one, I'm way too giggly. Like, I get it. And then, like, I did the same thing. I listen to myself, and I hear all my giggliness, and I feel ridiculous. And Tommy had some a friend post on one of our early shares on Facebook about an episode. And the friend is trying to be really complimentary to Tommy. Like, oh, Tommy, you're... This has been really great, man. I've loved listening to this. You know, the only thing is I really can't stand your co-host's voice. Yes. <laughs> like, I wasn't going to see this. It just <laughs> shredded me up. Uh, well, the problem, and I've realized, and I've, I've at some level had to give in, but like, when I'm passionate about a topic, I get excited, and the passion is amp- like my voice and my demeanor and the the tone and the the pitch all change. And it just... It doesn't over a podcast. It doesn't sound good. It just doesn't. So uh, I'm going to try to like keep, you know, talk with the same level of passion that I feel, but like try to keep it like more on the NPR, like chill level. Nah, man, follow your bliss. Yeah, just man. Get into it. All, right, all right. Cool. Cool. All right. Good. I, I just needed to get, give the go ahead. We're good. All right. I, I'm all in. I'm all in. So. I'll start with this. You mentioned a little bit of it. Um, normally, before the podcast goes, I like to give a little synopsis of like, hey, here's what this person is about. But when I'm looking at Sandy Roberts, like you do some you do some real estate, you do the Summer of Miles podcast, so you do some podcasting. You have deep ties in the Raleigh running community. You help run a nonprofit uh, around Sir Walter Myler. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if I'm not mistaken, you do, you have pastoral duties at a local church. Right. So it's, it's a lot of stuff, man. And so like, I personally, when I was trying to like break it down, I was like, well, I guess I think of him as something of a community builder in, <laughs> for lack of a better term. But I wanted to ask you, how do you answer the question when people, that American question, when people just say, what do you do? Oh, hey, Sandy, good to meet you. What do you do? Yeah, that's good. That's a. I'm still trying to figure that out fully, like how to <laughs> simplify it. But the way I say it is like real estate is how I make my career. That's kind of where I get to flex the muscles of like running and building a business. The Sir Walter running, which is like the non-for-profit, and we put on races like the Greenway 20K, which is coming up, the Raleigh Half Marathon, and then, of course, our flagship Sir Walter Myler. I'd say like that is where I get a chance to be a part of like building and leading a team. Um, we got about six or seven committed folks year in, year out, or like throughout the whole year that are dialed in. So I feel like that's where I get to like see my passion kind of played out in a lot of ways be redemptive, you know, because it's a, a way to be a part of other people's running, not my own, which I've spent a lot large part of my life doing. Um, and so that's, that, that's kind of where I get to flex those. And then, you know, a, and then really just the thing that I think like compels me from like a very deep intrinsic sense is like my involvement at a uh, church, which I am an elder. It's uh, also a predominantly black church that I've been a part of for about nine years. And that's a big part of, I think of like the relationships that like that drive me and things that I feel like I've been called into from, you know, in like a spiritual faith sense. So yeah, it's kind of like make my career through real estate, passions and running what is like the deep core of like my identity is the church 
or like things that involve church. How about that? Nope. Makes sense. Yeah. I, I think one of the things, so I try to do a little bit of research here, right? And I, it's kind of tough to say, like, how do I want to dig into some of these things that I know you think about? And because you're, you're so diverse in your interests. So I'm going to try to take a stab at moving somewhat chronologically. Okay. And so I think that'll knock out a lot of the things around running to begin with. Yeah. And then hopefully get into what that running has evolved into in the current day. Totally. Um, but I guess I'll, I'll start it this way. Like you as a runner was one of the first remarkable things I knew about you. I had a friend, uh, had a friend, Andrew Palumbo, who up to that point, I had, I had thought he was the best runner I had ever met. Like he told me like, what he did a 5k time in and that seemed impossible to me and he said he would like go running with you sometimes and i was like oh is sandy a good runner and he was like it's like sandy embarrasses me i was like really it's like well this is interesting and i think i was like so like what would sandy run a 5k and he's like shrugging he's like probably like 15 minutes <laughs> and to me like it didn't seem like I'd never known somebody who, who was that, that running came that easily to them. Like, of course, like you see the Olympics and stuff. Uh, so I, prior to this podcast, I Googled you, which is a weird thing to tell somebody, but I was trying to like do some background reading and okay. I saw that you ran run, ran a race in fifth grade. Maybe it was a uh, junior nationals. Mm -hmm. uh, junior Olympics. Six. Yeah. And fifth grade winning that race, like that's really early to know that you're exceptional at something. Take me back like before that race, like when was that race, like a time you knew like, okay, I'm really, I'm talented at this. Or was it something that ha happened before then? What was like the moment where you're like, okay, I have something most people don't have. Yeah, it's uh, Tommy. It's funny you mentioned like the presidential fitness test. Uh, I thought that was a great, <laughs> great lead in, right? Because I still have like my like blue patches, you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because like if you got a red one, like you were a loser. But the blue ones, <laughs> you were good, right? Because that meant you like you you got above the the whatever, right? Because the yep. blue and the red, yeah. Um, it was when we were training. At least uh, I'm from Raleigh originally. We had this thing called First in Fitness, which was essentially like the local elementary schools would come together. Well, it was probably like five or six events held like one day a year at a local high school based off some of these presidential fitness tests. Mm -hmm. And you, you competed, right? Probably against, like I said, six or seven other elementary schools. Um, fourth grade, I did the mile and ran, I think I ran 545 and was like, okay. Man, like, and won by a significant amount, like the high schoolers that were helping to put on the meetings at Sanderson High School in Raleigh and were, had come up and was like, wow, you know, they were really making over. It's like, this is awesome. And I trained for a little bit, um, but that was really kind of like, I'd say the first time when I realized like, oh, wow, like it's fun to win. <laughs> like people recognize winners um, and dote over them. And I think there was like a high school coach that came to my parents and was like, your son needs to run. So I think that was a little <laughs> bit of, 
a, a little bit of like when I started to kind of realize, I think more than anything, not like, hey, how good could I be? But like, man, there was a direct correlation with going out. I could control my training. I mean, at that point, I was team sports through and through, you know, baseball, football, basketball, all the, I mean, those were the three year round. Like that's what my year was defined by like those seasons. Running was obviously what you needed to be, to be helpful in these, 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 these endeavors. But like, I never did fully training. It was just for these, like the first in fitness. But after fourth grade was kind of like when it was like, I asked my parents, you know, could I get involved in track, like a track and field or like a local, like a, you know, run club and started to, um, to actually like, you know, pursue, like, you know, competing and doing junior Olympics, which is what you've seen. And, you know, I mean, I, I will say, I mean, just, I'm going to just go there, but, um, I actually, you know, part of how my running started was like, not from a good place, um, which actually might have some themes. I don't know. Maybe this is, will be a cathartic kind of counseling session. You guys can, uh, can walk me through, but I, um, and I've shared this with some people, but, um, I actually had a pretty severe, uh, eating disorder in fourth grade, um, which is, really weird and part of that was like not only not eating but it was also it was a body image thing but like not eating and then running a lot so like my parents like did like it was a tumultuous time the oldest of four boys if you talk to my parents like I just made life miserable in the the household because I don't know if you've been around someone who's wrestling with eating disorder they're just like usually Mm -hmm. and it's mainly females but you're on like this just constant edge and you make everyone around you just feel on that edge too and it was in that process that my parents actually, this was like kind of in that time that I was starting to like uh, excelled in some events, but I would like go on the, like I would try to run as much as I could, like just as much as I physically could. And so my parents eventually would like say, okay, you can run twice a week, like, or you could only run a certain amount of like miles a week. And so I would like split that into two runs of like 20 miles and 15 miles. And I would just do two wow. runs. This is like in fourth grade and like a really unhealthy relationship with, with running based on the fact that like I, it made me feel and look a certain way. And then I wasn't eating on top of that. So I, um, mm. that was actually kind of the start of my running. Now, of course, like that also, lended, I mean, I was just like so type a and like driven, but like, what do you that- think sparked the, cause I'm curious about the eating. Yeah. Like that's, I have known a couple people, but the people I knew didn't develop a disorder till closer to like college age. Yeah. And fourth grade's pretty, have you ever tried to unravel that or is it something like, Hey, glad to put it behind me? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'm coming more to terms with it. I think like it, the, if endurance sports altogether, but specifically distance running, I have been around and with, I've seen some horrific eating disorder, especially with women in particular, but there is some with men that's less talked about. Um, I have, I don't know. I, I'm just as I'm growing in knowledge of myself, self-awareness, like definitely like trying to reflect on, you know, things that have happened in my past. And so like, I think that gives me some, allows me the space to like go there. Um, Cause it was like, it was, I think for a long time I was like, I mean, fourth grade, uberly embarrassed that I was like, I mean, I didn't know what it was. Like I started to go to counseling. My parents were helping, but like, I mean, I mean, I, it's even hard to put to like, words and I really haven't even like honestly dug in with my parents that much but I like remember it vividly and and you know uh Dusty I don't know why exactly I I I still haven't processed like I'm not afraid to go there and I'd like to do it more because I think it sets the foundation for even our conversation maybe a little bit later about like 
how running became such an identity um, mm-hmm. that has in some ways plagued me and it probably kept me from enjoying and maybe achieving the levels that I thought I could because of like how it got started. I don't know. Uh, well, that's No, that's definitely where I want to go with it. And, you know, Tommy, this reminds me a lot of, <clears throat> so Tommy and I have a mutual friend, Jeremy Moeller, who's been on the podcast before. Uh, and he just wrote a, pa- a post on Facebook. Was it? Yeah, today? today I think. Yeah, it was today. Yeah, and uh, he talks about this this moment where uh, his he's just hanging out, like playing video games or watching TV or something, and his mom comes to him and says, "They wanted to hold you back from first grade, but you can handle it." And she was trying to be like supportive with him, right? Uh, and like believed in him, knew he could do it. But it was like this small T trauma is how yeah. he described it. He latched like he, on to the he latched on to the they wanted to hold you back, not the you're capable of doing more, right? Yeah, and he's just he's talked to me a couple times and he talked about it on this podcast about how much work he does on like the young little version of him and figuring out like what was going on back then and how much that has paid off in discovering who he is now and what he wants to do with the rest of his life, like where it's going. Yeah. yeah. And Sandy, I, I appreciate you sharing that, man. That's, that's, you know, I, I hate you. I hate you had to go through that or you went through that. Um, and I, I can echo what, what Dusty says. So through, I, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of therapy. Um, and, in the same exact vein, a, a lot of what I've had to figure out how to do is to retroactively look at the little version of me and find, you know, compassion and forgiveness. It, it, it's what, what helps is I have two little boys. And so it always, it always comes back to, well, what, you know, the question is, well, if, if your boy was struggling with X, Y, Z, how would you want someone to talk to, or, you know, how would you want someone in charge to talk to them? And do that to the small version of yourself. Kind of put yourself in that place, you know, where you feel it in the in the chest or in your in your in your gut, and you're like, oh. You go back to that person, you sit in it, and you talk to that little version of yourself. So, um, yeah, that's that's super interesting. And, and like Dusty said, it's it's very early for that for that to happen. And totally, it's yeah. And and there could be, you know, there maybe there's no real reason. I don't know. You know, it's. Uh, but this is what's like crazy about like you grow up. And I know that this is almost a cliche because everybody realizes it. Like you think adults know what's up, but like, here we are, we're, we're in our thirties now. <laughs> I, I don't know, what's up, right? I'm still yeah. figuring it out. I, I still look, I still look in the mirror. Right. And I'm like, Oh, yep. Yep. Yeah. We get back in CrossFit, had a cut a couple too many cinnamon buns today. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, it's, it's like, it, once it, you realize, go ahead, Sandy. No, no, no. I was just, I mean, yeah, like even sharing it, it's kind of like, you know, I try to go there and it's like, how did this thing kind of unravel in such a way that like life for about, and I don't, and I don't even know the time frame, but for about a year in, in from start to finish was like, man, like not only tumultuous, but like, man, just it, it, like it was miserable, but yet I couldn't like, I didn't have the tools 
until I started getting some like professional, like a started working with a counselor to be able to address name and begin to work through to like get towards help. But like, I mean, again, as I mentioned earlier, it's like even my view of food, view of food is probably disordered to some level, even today um, that I like have to kind of like wrestle down at points and really mm-hmm think through. Um, so the implications still play out today, you know? And so that's why it's like, I think going back to the original question was like, did I know I was good? It's like, yeah, I, I did. But like, honestly, there was like the, I was also like in such a bad mind, like a, such a crazy headspace that it was like, I was just running was not even like in a competition, like against other people. It was like this internal thing that I was like demons that I was like running away from or running into, I guess in some ways, um, amidst like all this, like, you know, this eating disorder and then like competing. And, and it was just like, it's almost like, I don't even know. There's this like interconnected web of like, what am I like, what's driving me? I don't know there is success, but I really don't care because I just care about how I feel. And then like a lot of inter, like inner turmoil with my parents and in myself. So it wasn't, yeah, I guess all they say, it wasn't like this kind of like, Oh man, I can't wait for what yeah. running is going to bring it. Or like, I'm just trying to like get through day to day and I hope that my parents don't force me to eat something I don't want to. Yeah. And there's this little reward system that goes in there too, right? Like your, your behavior was leading to in some ways what people would say success you were winning races you were going to the junior olympics and so you know even as an adult this is hard to process but especially as a kid you're like well what i'm doing is working and 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 even though it's not the best state of mind you don't even have the wherewithal to understand what a good state of mind is you're just like well i feel better when i don't eat and, and i'm winning races and therefore this is the pattern of behavior i mean I did this thing, this is, it's not probably on the same level, but, but it still plays itself out today when I was probably about the same age where I would like tell on myself for little things. I, we, we'd get in the car to go for a ride, uh, to where, you know, the grocery store, five minute ride. And I'd forget to put my seatbelt on for the first 30 seconds on the road. And I'd have to verbalize to my parents, I wasn't wearing my seatbelt. I wasn't doing it. And it's <laughs> mm. this sort of, for me, it's sort of been this like anxious seeking approval, sort of somewhat neurotic behavior that you're, it was about a year and I, and I, and I would, and it was like ate at me. I'm like, Oh, I don't want to tell anybody, but I got to do it. Right. Yeah. So like I can empathize with you a little bit there, man. Yeah. God, it's like the mind is, I mean, I got, I'm sure it's a, that's a whole nother podcast series. Uh, just, the mind of like trying to make sense of things we thought or like that compelled us to do certain things. But, um, that did lay the foundation for my running better for worse. And it was both. What were, what, or I guess maybe what happened or, or as we kind of progressed, Dusty said chronologically, was there a, a turning point where you were able to turn this into an activity that, you know, was enjoyable, did lead you to goals, you know, high school, college, and so on, Yeah, that yeah, were you able to turn like, into a positive, right? Is I guess what I'm asking. No, yeah. it's a great question because like, it sounds like there was, you're already kind of hinting at it, like a negative relationship almost like, yeah, you're the, the running was obsessive and maybe your parents even recognized that, mm-hmm. but like you also had to love it, right? Well, yeah. I mean, because the one thing about running is it's not reliant upon anybody else 
Okay. Like, and it's like my race is involving me, you know, like, it's not like I got a, a teammate cool that he's wearing the same Jersey, but it's like, really, it's how I process pain and can overcome my mental blocks to, to compete. And then the same with training too, is like, I mean, if I think one thing I just, in this area in particular, again, this is not every area, but I have immense drive. I mean, even to this day, if I like tell myself I'm going to get up at six to go run 12 miles tomorrow morning, I'm going to do that. Like there's nothing that's going to stop me from that. So I've always had with running, that was the one area that I just like had immense self-control, which is, it's an, it's, it's a really cool thing to know that that's there. Um, that played out can be very obsessive, which it was. And running, you know, but like, especially early on, there was a direct correlation with like my self-discipline, myself put like the, the, the drive and then the, the success, because I mean, here's the thing I remember back in middle school. I mean, someone like, again, this was, I had kind of like, I had gotten help. So I wasn't in an eating disorder, but I mean, I was so driven. I wanted to be the best, like at a very young age. And so, I mean, I remember my parents, my, on a Friday night, like in like sixth or seventh grade, my parent, my dad, after work, picking me up, it's like pitch black. I'm out in NC state track by myself doing like a, a workout and I was getting him at finish and, and I was waiting for my dad, you know, to pick me up. It was like a Friday night at like seven 30. And it was just like, <laughs> you know, it was one of those things where it was like, but this, I enjoyed it. I loved it. It was like, man, like I'm getting better. I'm improving. No one else. And it was also like, no one else is doing this. Yeah. You know? And, and mm -hmm. I like thrived. I thrived off that, which again, these are all things that like, and then to a certain point, even to like, probably really through high school, like these were things that distinguished. I mean, I just worked harder than everyone else. Now in college, that's kind of like where everything, where the rubber meets the road and like, everyone works hard and everyone's uber talented and you're not going to like outwork people per se. Like that's when like, but, but up to like high school, like I just worked really hard and I was driven and like, I knew what I wanted to accomplish. And like, there's a direct, I just, I saw the results of like sacrifice working hard and like it, it paid off. <laughs> well, yeah, we, we talked Dusty about this. So I was going to say we have, haven't we? Last What's week it? we, yeah, we were just saying like, there's probably, only a couple times in my life where I defined like, I want this thing and I am going to devote myself to it until I have it accomplished it, finished it. Right. And like, as more time passes in my life, I look at those things and they kind of make up the essence of what I believe about myself. It's like, you have to tell yourself this story internally so many times to constantly repeat the motivation to do mm -hmm. the thing, to stay in the fight, that that internal monologue becomes you, right? It's And like, it's, it's tough for me to be hard on any of that because to me, those efforts have been so rewarding. Mm -hmm. It's like... So I I find it interesting because now I only have like two things that I build that I will that I will grant that kind of headspace. Like it's well, it's my parenting and it's my writing and those are the only two things that, that get that kind of obsession because we, there is that dangerous flip side. And we talked about we we even talked about this longer back when we were right before the um Super Bowl and when Matt Fraser was step, you know, retiring from competitive CrossFit and, and it was sort of like, what, what does it take to be the best? 
are you and are you willing to sacrifice what it takes to be the best and it sounds like you know for, you you were at the top of the game in the running game especially in like local and national uh high school right and yeah so you know what did what kind of thing i mean surely there were there were sacrifices that had to be made in order to do that i mean in in middle school and high school at 7 30 on a friday night i was probably like eating pizza and playing goldeneye you know that's that's what i was doing <laughs> yeah but see you know it came at a minute sacrifice because like you know i didn't i think one thing that i've always struggled with is like I've put those personal goals and and like the drivenness within me, like above sometimes friendship. Right. So like Mm. I've always wrestled like where you were having, like you were eating pizza, you were developing, you were, you know, laying the groundwork for like friends, right. That you could build. Whereas like, you know, it was just me and my brain, you know, me and my mind trying to, you know, outwork itself on a Friday night on the track and to, to do better than I did last week. But like, I couldn't share that with anyone, but I mean, but like there was like a level of self-satisfaction that I like that was very, very rewarding. Like I loved how it made me feel and like, Hey, I accomplished this thing. No one else is doing this. And yeah, it might not be hanging with friends, but like I'm getting better at this thing. You're that taking I really steps understood. towards a goal that you want to yes. achieve running, yeah. running in your, was going to take you through high school to college, get your degree at no cost. Um, and there's, you know, it's hard, you know, for, the, the the notoriety that co- the, and the identity that comes with you are a runner yeah yeah you are the best at running it's like now I have to commit everything to yeah. being the best at running that was what I was known by and I mean just you know I think it's humbling because I I was unable to replicate the kind of probably success at large in college and after but like you know I in in eighth grade eighth grade I ran the fastest 5k on the roads, like in the country at 15 minutes and 45 seconds. I was one of the top eighth graders. I ran the mile in 428 in eighth grade. Um, wild. I had, you know, that is absolutely some, nuts. I had some coaches that had, uh, uh, Georgetown was that where I went to college. It was one of the first coaches to write me a letter in eighth grade and say, cause I had run into him at a meet and he just, and I remember getting it and being like, I kept it. I, I still have it in my, in all my letters that I've kept over the years for the letter he wrote me when I was in eighth grade, just congratulating me on a race that he saw. And it was like, I mean, I, you know, it was kind of like, I, I'm going to, I'm going to go to the Olympics. Like I, that guy really thought, I mean, I was, you know, I, I, cared i wanted it i was intrinsically motivated was going to put the work in you know uh but it it, it, it's just it's like what so i it it reminds me i don't know why i loved i'm sure y'all saw and probably has been some good fodder on here the last dance with michael jordan right oh yeah Um, yeah and any number of great quotes phil jackson is a genius like you know a lot of great characters um but I, there was one of the last episodes where I think Michael Jordan, you know, I mean, he didn't look great himself, right? Like, definitely, you can see just in his face, his eyes, like, he's not in a great headspace, seemingly, whatever. But he, uh, or like physically at least, but he um, he said something to the effect of, and I'm going to probably jack the quote up, but like, to be the greatest, you got to go to some dark places. And I did. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what he said. He's like, you know, to be the, he did, like, whether it came at the expense of his marriage, his, his, the friends that he had, you know, what he was willing to sacrifice, what, how that had played off in his like personal life with gambling. Like he, he went there, he was the greatest, I will say, but, but it was a dark place and I'm not gonna, not no equation there, but I just, I do think that there is like a, a sacrifice of, of things that looking back, it's like, I don't know. I mean, I, it's, it compelled me, but like it came at a sacrifice. Well, that that comes back to the, you know, the the compassion for your younger self. You were doing the best um, 
the best you knew how to do with what you had available to you. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you know, this is, this is cliche, but like it got you to where you are now. Right. Well, and yeah. let's not gloss over it. It's a lot more than what most middle school, high school yeah, kids have. Absolutely. Like when, when you think about that weird time of high school, like it is often characterized in media and stories by a sense of displacement. Like people don't know what they're doing. They feel awkward all the time. Like you had something that totally. you knew was solid. I mean, mm -hmm. it was as solid as your belief in yourself and no one could take it away from you. Like it was, you know, that I think when, uh, when you hear like these old billionaires on podcasts and stuff and they get asked questions like, what would you, would you rather like be 20 and broke or have all this money you have and live out the rest of your life? And they always pick 20 and broke because they believe the thing is like in them. They believe the passion was the thing that made life worth it, not the money once they get through it all. And so like whatever stake, whatever placeholder people put in for success, like that's what I think is the fear of high school. Like, I don't know if I got it. I don't know if I'm going to make it. And, you know, to a certain degree, you already had it. Like mm. by all, by all the by all the stuff that could judge success at that age, like people knew who you were, people knew that you were good at the thing you had chosen to do. And what you, uh, four or five times state champion, what was the, uh, you know, who's counting six, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. 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 Like I, if it and we'll we'll just jump ahead here. But I, but I, did, I don't before, I don't want to gloss over that, right? Yeah, like it's, yeah, yeah. For most of us, when we say like, well, you know, I had some I had some trip ups when I was younger. Like that's not a trip up. That's like I rode this thing hard. Yeah, I, and I rode it till it bucked me. <laughs> so what? So, I'll, so Dusty, before, before we before we leave high school, I don't know if we're gonna leave high school. I, I did have one thing I wanted I was going to ask. To. <laughs> You're gonna leave high yeah. school. Okay, no, then let, let's give me give me one question in high school because I, I saw this and I too read the articles that Dusty sent me. Thank God for the internet, yeah. Um, because you know I don't know that we, either of us would be there with like the Dewey Decimal System trying to find you know News and Observer clippings, <laughs> looking um, up microfiche and those yeah, library. just like scrolling through the thing that's like <laughs> things that our kids will never have done. Yeah, what, why is it backwards? This is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so so in it was like a I think it was a. 2006 article i don't remember where it was from um but they were talking runner's about world, like, maybe potentially runner's world and they were talking about you know achievements and what you plan to do and so on and your quote was uh i don't want to sacrifice future achievements for high school and from from my standpoint i'm like man that is a that is a lot of awareness and insightfulness for like a 17 year old, 16 year old it's for me, heaviness. I was like, I was like, you know, I was average at baseball and I'm like, burn it to the ground, baby. I am laying <laughs> my body out. No matter what, if I die, I die, baby. I'm going head first into every base. 
so th- this have you have you sort of always kind of had this presence of mind of like I'm working towards this bigger goal. I know runners spend a lot of time in their own mind because there's nothing else to literally nothing else to do. And so maybe, maybe that comes, but you, you may not even remember saying that. Um, but, but yeah. So, I mean, is that, is that something as you reflect on that? Is that something you sort of always kind of had in your mind and you still kind of today, you know, you're working towards something greater Yeah. or was that a 16 year old kid just saying something cool? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably a combination. Um, <laughs> probably, I probably had read it somewhere else and was like, yeah. this would be a good thing to say. Um, no, Tom, it's a good, it's a good, uh, Good question. I mean, to put very bluntly, yes. Like, I do feel like there's this, and a part of this is the faith, right? And I know I've talked some of this with Dusty. Like, there is a calling on my life that I do believe comes from the, you know, God. And and I don't know what that's working towards. I know that all these small things play a part, even when I don't understand the how that they're interconnected or what they're moving me towards or what I'm, how I'm supposed to grow here or learn this or how this disappointment or trial or setback is supposed to, you know, work or, or refine me in certain ways. But I have always felt that, um, you know, but so, so I, I guess on one side that uh, on the flip side, I mean, I will say like running has been that one thing that I was known by. I mean, it's just like I had early success, very high level, early success you know, and, and it was continuing to high school, you know, um, at that point, the news and observer was like the, you know, you didn't have, you couldn't, you know, there wasn't like the amount of online content. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, people, you know, like, and, and there was, there was a pretty robust high school section that I was kind of frequently in. And, you know, so like my parents' friends would always ask, like, that was almost every conversation I had with people, you know, kind of the superficial was, was around my running. So it's just like, that was, I mean, that is just for the one thing in my life, like it is like the one thing that has, I've been known by, I've seen success in, it has grown me and like, but it's like where I have like definitive like dreams and goals. And then like, there was some very hard line results to whether I achieved those or not. And that kind of also jumps to like where, like how I'm actually kind of like grieving some of the things that I haven't been able to do because for so long, this has been the one area that was like, I'm either going towards it and making steps towards it or I'm not. I've always had this sense of like, as long as I'm making small like steps forward, I'm good. As soon as I start going backwards or feel like I'm not moving towards this larger thing, it almost paralyzes me. Like I, I have a hard time getting through. So I think going to going back to the question, you know, I do feel like there's like a higher calling that it goes above, goes beyond running, but like running has been the context in which a lot of this like growth and character building and trial has come through. So yeah. I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's perfect, man. It's awesome. I do think the, you know, I'm when I was putting together kind of some questions and things I wanted to talk to you about, it was almost difficult for me to say, like, are we really just going to come in here and send you a bunch of stuff about running? Like, this is, yeah. like, I know you have all these other interests and, like thoughts and things that you'd love to dig in on. Uh, I was telling Tommy last week that I just, it has been my impression that you are just a curious thinker. Like you just enjoy going down different trails of ideas. And yet it's it's almost impossible to get away from, like 
the irony that it's even running that like running is like the analogy for everything like you can't get away from this i know this topic and so you either have to embrace it and say well this is fully part of who i am and accept all of that portion of yourself or it's like you well, know, what I, am i going to do hate well, the first I, half of my life well exactly and i think that's on twofold things why like i feel i just feel things very intensely it's just it's how it was from a young age just like have always felt things like whether it was like a birthday gift or like i mean even when i was young and i would my dad and i would go to did we all part of indian gods or i don't know if you had that it. it's yeah. a ymca program yeah that they used to they call it indian it's now called Y guys to be pc right but like like every time that i would come home from those trips when i was younger like in elementary school with my dad i'd cry because the weekend was over like this is like into fourth and fifth grade like so i just felt things very intensely and so i think like that's on one side it's like it has been what has like made this kind of seasons where i realized like things aren't gonna be fulfilled like dreams that i've like have driven me for like almost like multiple decades makes it like a real grieving which is why i sent that podcast has been really timely mm -hmm. came from a mutual friend of ours josh reed who sent that to me on a day in which him and i had just a very honest conversation about some hurt that i was experiencing but i think too on the flip side it also has been the absolute gift let me the gift of sir walter running which is something that I get to be a part of that has, while it ha did stem from my pursuit of the sub four mile has actually become something much larger than me very much. And I'm behind the scenes and I really get to be a part of encouraging and providing events all across the city for people to come together in community and to, to experience success in their own running. And that has just been really redemptive for me to be able to say, not only do I love running, it's not about me. And like when I'm about others, I'm the best version of my own running. Hmm. Dude, I love that. Uh, real quick, I'll catch for anybody listening. The podcast Sandy's mentioning is called the Eternal Current Podcast, and uh, they had it on an author named Ron Rollheiser, mm -hmm. and he's just speaking about the resurrection of Christ as a process for human beings uh, that we can model and structuring our own lives. And uh, Sandy forwarded it to me if uh, you have an interest in the faith or like what the, the Christ model life can can offer for your own individual structure. Highly recommended. Um, the, the, I will say just if I could just pull one theme because I'm all about like I hate – I don't say I hate. The, the podcasts I get the most joy are like ones that are like cross you know discipline, right? That you could like – whether you're mm -hmm. a great cyclist, crossfitter, phenomenal writer, you can just draw like – you can draw some like overarching theme, the overarching theme from this podcast, which has been or for that eternal current was just like, we all in life are experiencing at some level, like grief around something that's been unfulfilled. And that can be in a number of areas, but being able to name that and give space to really like to grieve well and who to do that with and how to do that individually and with others has been a theme that I have never really explored or put words to. And that, it was just helpful to hear, again, this is in the context of the Christian faith, but it does, I think, give some language around how to do that for anyone who is wrestling through or or trying to figure out how how to grieve, like the loss of something that they never thought would happen and how to how to do that well and and, and to give space for that. Anyhow, it's been it was I've listened to it four or five times, which for me I'm usually <laughs> like, you know, once I'm hit hit something once, I'm moving on. But that that's been a 
yeah normally only the normally only the looks like we're lost podcast has that kind of replay value (laughs) of course it's nice to to find it something else there's there's a lot of truth to that yeah i mean there's you know allowing allowing a part of yourself or a relationship or an achievement whatever allowing that to die Mm -hmm. in order to experience growth it is 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 hard. I mean, there's there's a reason that Uncle Rico is such a popular character in Napoleon Dynamite, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right? right. You know, he's still living the football dream. He never let the dream die, and therefore he never was able to grow as a human being. He was perennially stuck as an 18 year old. Right. Um, well, I think there's. Oh, I was yeah, gonna go say yeah. I think there's two ideas that are conflated in in what you're saying there, Tommy, and so. This is a weird place to pull something that I thought was pretty profound, but the the show WandaVision from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, I'm a huge Marvel fan. Tommy, I know you're not. So not I won't. <laughs> Perfect. I won't dive too deep. <laughs> but there is uh, a character has a sibling die and they're going through a hard time and they're being consoled by a... Uh, an android with a soul. You know, what do you want me to say? It's, it's a <laughs> robot that is alive. And uh, the robot has never lost anything. So he's able to see grief completely objectively. And he says, what is grief if not the perseverance of love? And I think that framed that way, of course you're grieving because you love this thing. But another thing uh, that we've kicked around here is that the truth puts reality behind you so that you can face the reality in front of you. And I think what you're hitting at there, Tommy, is like if you let that thing die, then you can experience your love in the realness of the current moment. And the way that realness manifests is in grief. And that doesn't mean it's bad. It's just what it's supposed to be. Mm. And uh, I think that that is a very difficult thing to accept, but once you can do it, it's somewhat purifying. So Yeah, yeah. Gr- grief is one of those emotions that, you know, fr- from from a kid you're told that's not a, that's a bad emotion like you know it's it's sort of not necessarily oh, you cry and like, your parents don't cry don't cry what, what are you crying yeah right right yeah. right i'm guilty of it like dude stop crying <laughs> sucks to see your kid cry yeah like stop crying awful. right yeah i like that i i never watched wandavision because i thought it was uh wanda sykes the comedian <laughs> so I was like, I'm not gonna you don't like this. wanda sykes <laughs> she's not top 10 she doesn't crack the top 10 list but it, but it, but it, but it's but going back to this idea is just like I don't know it's just helpful to like I think for a while I've just felt a lot of shame in a lot of areas and even going back to you know my younger eating disorder self and it's like man can I just name, like man I, I just need to grieve some of these things that like man like I I put a lot of pressure on myself at a young age man I, like. I mean, I, I thought my life was defined by like achieving this goal more recently of like running under four minutes and, and becoming, you know, the 500th and 60th or 70th, you know, American ever do that. Like, I thought that that's like what this, all this running was building towards. Mm-hmm. And so even just being able to name like 
that's something I've wanted since I was 19 or 20 when I ran 401 and at, you know, Penn State at the indoor and thought, man, like I'm on the cusp of achieving this thing. And then yet, like, I never got it. I never got it. Like I trained, I have had three surgeries, one on my nose, two on my Achilles, all, you know, like things that have been for like breathing and, and injury stuff, but like have been through multiple stress fractures have like, I mean, just logged a lot of hours and, and blood, sweat and tears. And like this thing didn't happen. Like it just it kind of hit me. Like I realized like I'm not moving in a direction towards this goal, like as that I've wanted. And I just got a name that like, I'm really sad. And I'm, I'm disappointed that like something that has like a very specific goal, not like I want to be a good runner, but like, I want to break four minutes. I want to see 359.99 beside my name so that I can, you know, be part of this, one of the most exclusive clubs in all of sports. I want to, I want to be a part of that. And I, and I, I most likely are at this point, it, it's not going to happen. I've got to name that grief. I got to let it die. And I got to do that well so that like, I'm not bitter so that I don't like hear about somebody else, like a younger guy you know, mm. achieving this thing and like just automatically be resentful or even like hate parts of the sport, man, like what a, dis like what a sad part that would like, what would be, that'd be a sad commentary on something that's really has brought me joy and give me a lot of opportunity, you know? That's a, that's a huge insight that, and it's, you mentioned how funny the human mind is something that you were really great at that brought you a sense of significance and purpose that because like let's face it it's ultimately an arbitrary number it's mm -hmm. just round so we said like four minutes is that's crazy and that like a second a second and a half could make the difference between whether I have a positive relationship with that first half of my life or first quarter of my life or a negative relationship. Totally. Is it, is it like when you say it, right. it sounds, it sounds freaking like ridiculous. I'm like, but you I know, totally understand it. Yeah. But, I do, totally yeah. get it. Totally get it. We're, we're both, you know, you know, from a, you, you can turn that into anything. So, you know, for my, I'm having to do the same thing. So like, I just had my first ever shoulder surgery. I mean, I've been doing CrossFit for, I don't know, eight years. Mm. My my benchmark time on things like you know Fran, which is a, a you know kind of a, a sprint of a CrossFit workout, it's probably not going to get any better than it was ever when I was sub thirty. And you know the amount of weight that I'm going to lift, it's going it's it's not going to go up necessarily. And um, I can I can absolutely. When I'm in the gym and I see kid, you know, kid, I call them kids. They're still like in their twenties, but you know, they're throwing around weight. You know, consequences be damned. They're 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 going faster. There's part of me that's like, shave. They're skipping reps, or well, you know, back <laughs> in my day, and you can feel that resentment creeping yep. in, and all of a sudden, I have this weird like enemy of some in in the gym that I'm like, what? what? They're just a person in here working out too. We're literally yeah. working out. We're exercising. So, so it's it's good to it's, well, it's good it to have that wherewithal too. And if you can remember and go back to the podcast, the 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 uh, uh, Catholic priest was referring to that. He told the story about the uh, the you know the guy who never who was trying to become an NHL. He was like a mid tier mid NHL mm -hmm. professional. 
never made it, never made it in NHL. He was like mid-tier professional, right? And he's like, for the longest time, like he just dealt with like the disappointment and shame and grief that he, you know, never he never made it, and that like that like rode on him so hard. And then like one day, he was, I think his 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 daughter was back from college, like reading something at church, and he's like, man, like, am I gonna be this miserable guy like that has so much good around me and like still lament on the fact that in one area I didn't right, reach the NF the NHL. Or am I going to be able to get past that and like really enjoy some of these, like the gifts that are around me, like my children that seeing their growth and man, like, and, and, and it, it feel like it was kind of this realization and it was like, man, I, I feel that it's like, am I going to sit here and be resentful or am I going to be appreciative for like things that have sprouted out of, um, that have come out of like my running and my pursuits that have been able to do be some, had been, be some really cool things, um, it's the perspective that I'm, that I gotta be really intentional about. Now, again, I think part of that is like, I gotta grieve it well, which is I can, it's okay to be sad and disappointed and maybe even bad, like to name it, but like not to stay there because like there's so much good ahead and like so much that I, I that I want to be a part of within the sport that just made it look different, but like, let's name the grief so that this can lament and die well to see what will potentially be birthed. And I just don't want to wait till I'm 40 or, or, you know, wait any longer than that period needs to be. You briefly touched on this and I'm curious. I, I've been running into a lot of people who've been going through some hard things and, you know, it's weird because I'm in a very fruitful season of my life. Like I've gone through some stuff, but like the last couple of years have been great. Like the family's been expanding, like things have been going good for my wife's career. I finally feel like this novel's coming together after like it's been tinkering around in my brain for a decade. And like I feel like like this is great. Things are going well. And yet I I have some people I know who, you know, lost a father recently, some people who have been trying for years and, you know, lost a, a child. Right. And it, it seems like it's really difficult to talk about those things. And like one, I really appreciate you being like forthcoming and like working through stuff here, but how do you, I guess I'm curious on your opinion here, cause I don't know that there's a right way, but like, how do you decide who to let into the grief? Cause I personally think the communal aspect of it, is valuable like having sharing it with another person seems essential in a way that just like journaling about hard things doesn't get the job done yeah but uh, that's how a great, do you that's decide a, who, yeah. who gets to be like share the burden with you yeah well there's only if i mean in the case of like this pursuit in particular here the sub four i think there's only people that like can understand it and no offense you know like you guys are actually in some ways a part of part of that but you're not like people that i would say i'm grieving alongside of you it's people that i'm getting to yeah share yes yeah yeah. i get to share in that um but i will say this much i this is one area that uh i've just seen immense growth in terms of friendship and, and even just like being able to bridge um on just connecting on a deeper level with with people is just kind of just heading deep into the spaces of disappointment and like not trying to like not trying to like bring people down but be like yo like i'm good like i am anchored in a place of hope and excitement and there is like a, a steadfast joy despite circumstance but yeah like 
there's some stuff that's popping off and like I'm not in a great like in a great space. I can project and there's like passion. That doesn't mean my passion has been tempered by any stretch and there's still like a lot of joy. But like, yeah, there are some things that like, hey, I'm not, you know, in the past couple weeks, it's been hard where I am. And like, but when I share that, I feel like there's like a communal sense of like I can invite people to I can invite you into that story. And I then it like it's cool because I can then be really forthcoming. And then a lot of times people like they mirror that right and they get to like hey man i appreciate you like here's where i've been and so then it becomes this cool like well man i appreciate you sharing man like that's that's one it keeps things in perspective for me here i am disappointed that i like couldn't shave a minute or a second and a half here you are wrestling down some sort of whether it's addiction or like some you know loss of like a family member or or, or grieving like a you know a, you know a relationship with a sibling or something it's like man like that's i think like the the, the shared community and the suffering which Again, not to go back to the podcast, but like I think that's in places that I frequent a lot with your church, like spaces where we can not have it together, not be triumphalistic. Those are harder to find. And I, I love some of the mystic components of like some of the more contemplative places of even Christianity, where it's like we're given headspace to think, to put words to, and then like lament well so that we can like grow. And then who we do that with, I just feel like there, there, there forms like a really tight community with, with, with those people that you get to do that with. And uh, I just want to experience more of that with folks. Yeah. I think my experience has been that those people, like you almost don't have to worry about it. They kind of select themselves. Like the people mm -hmm. who are afraid of that vulnerability tend to disappear a mm -hmm. little bit right? Like they fade out and the people who feel invited in, like you start forming a much closer relationship. Like I, I feel like Tommy and I have kind of, kind of walked this, this journey into our own vulnerability together in some ways, like started doing therapy around the same time. Like when we would, I don't know if it was the same for you, Tommy, but when I was feeling kind of weird about being in therapy, like you were one of the the few people I'd talk about, like, yeah, I'm going to like see a shrink. I got issues. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dude. Uh, yeah. I mean, to, to put it this way, it's, it was to the point that we went to the same therapist for a little while because you were like, yeah, she's great. And I'm like, well, it, I, I can appreciate that. And, but what's weird is the, I feel like there's, uh, I might mangle my way into this here, but I'm I'm really interested in the the role of faith in your life currently, Sandy, because one of the things that kind of turned me off from activity in a church was mm -hmm. when I felt like I was getting more in touch with who I who I really was. I felt like I became extra sensitive to people who were faking it. Mm. And maybe that was real. Maybe that wasn't right. There's a little bit of arrogance involved in that too. But I, I felt like that sense of showing people how together I have it seemed to be especially strong when people went to church, right? They put on their Sunday best mm -hmm. and, like they really show that they're a, an extra good person at this time. It seemed to me to be like one of the toughest places to, to connect over broken. 
Does that ring true? I, to you let, at all? I don't yes. want to. No, 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 no. You're you, you're tracking so hard, which is why, like, I love actually sometimes leading out in brokenness because it's like one. I think it does point towards the greater thing that I'm need to be anchored to because I know how jacked up I am. But it also is. It, I think it like it. The people that listen. The reality is life's short, right? Like we can't be close to everyone. What's one way to kind of quickly is like it, when you and it repels or draws people in you kind of figure out in self-selective like who i'm gonna roll with um and i'll be honest with you i think like they're the people that i'm attracted to are the ones even if they're like wrestling with faith that they have even said this is like which is why i, I mean i've I always appreciated our time like in the the marriage thing with josh reed that y'all were there and mm -hmm. also your time when you on wednesday morning was like i thought that you were really wrestling well in like not like a not some like academic pursuit, but like trying to figure out what you believe and why you believe it and where you land on that. Hey, that's all good. But like, there's an authenticity. I do feel like I, I do have some discernment in that, but, um, I do think that it's like, man, I'm, if, I'm just gonna, like, I know what God has created, who God has made me to be. I'm going to kind of lay it out there. And if, uh, I hope that it can minister at points. I hope it can be helpful at points. But if it repels people, then I mean, that's just not how I'm supposed to be with at this season. And that's okay. Let me just keep being that because I do know like, hey, man, like these are like things that I, I, I know I don't like it's freeing to be able to say, yo, like this is where I am. This is what I'm wrestling mm -hmm. with. This is this is like how I think about things. It's not right. I wish it was different. I'm shamed at points, but like I've got to be able to share that because there's one thing humanity shares. It is like areas within us that are not right or broken or twisted or jacked up that we are trying to come to make sense of. And like, there's, I think there's like share a real, there's a real sense of like being able to share in that when you, when you lead out. So I like to lead out in that. Cause it, it I don't know. It's just, it's, it's how God has made me to be just to kind of say, this is like, I don't offer much, but like I will be hundred percent real. And then I can be like really confident though with like who, like what, what the things that are getting worked out too. No. And I think it's funny you mentioned that cause you kind of did that here, right? Like the very first question we got into was what do you do and how do you answer that? And that's like, that's kind of the question that at least when I was growing up, like that's your time to pose a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, yeah, flex a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah. You start telling people your fancy title and you try to spin it in a way that like sounds good about yourself. And you didn't do any of that when we got into this. You just kind of like, well, I do a lot of things guys. And here's the way I think about it. You know, just Sandy has, has faith, has, has your faith always kind of like, were you brought up in the church and it's kind mm -hmm. of always been a persistent theme or has it really so I, and I'll and I'll you know I'll open in this way, to create the space for you. So we grew up going to church, but it was a, I mean I, I think it was a Southern Methodist church, mm -hmm. and it was maybe a little bit like fire and brimstone, <laughs> like yeah. you, you know no, no one had serpents and things like that, but people would start lashing out in tongues, and I'm like I don't know what's going on over here, and I would leave not with a sense of like joy or um, excitement, but more a sense of guilt and almost judgmental. And I don't think that this was, in, I don't think this was intentional. It could have just been the way I was receiving it as a, but it was like, 
well, if you know, you you get this feeling that well, if you can't, if, if the if the pastor starts to lead in with, well, you know what they say in Romans X X whatever, and then the rest of the church like quotes it, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't even know where Romans is in the Bible. <laughs> like it's somewhere in there. And now I, I say that to say that, you know, my faith has gotten stronger um, since since going to uh, to Vintage Church mm-hmm. uh, downtown. Uh, shout out to Matt and Joanna, who like 10, 11 years ago took me under their wing and they were like, you want to come to church with us? And then, you know, it's kind of turned into that. We, you know, we go most most every Sunday and with without without a doubt at almost every service, there's a point where I'm like, I can breathe. I'm like, Oh yes. Like that. I can go tell somebody about that and feel good about that. And I don't feel the need to show up. Now, sometimes I still feel like a little bit of imposter syndrome where I'm like, I know I'm broken. I know, I know that according to what's in the Bible, I'm sinful, Uh, but there's, there is the redemptive nature of, of Christ. And so anyway, all that to say, like, has it always been a persistent like faith is top and and I know what I'm shooting for or has it kind of evolved in recent years? Yes, yeah, that's a good question. I so I actually grew up too in a Methodist church, although I, I think ours was more like Methodist liberal as opposed to Southern Methodist, which tends to have like I know some of the the Methodist churches out in the country have a little bit more of like a Baptist kind of leaning. Um, but the one I grew up in was. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, we didn't really read the Bible. Like, you didn't really bring your Bible to church. There was Bible stories that are told. But, like, I the, I do have early memories of growing up in church. And um, and, and so, but, like, I just, I think this is a beautiful part of, like, how God calls, as I understand it, and, 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 and from what he says about himself. But it's, like, there was a sense in which, like, my heart was very softened towards God at a very young age. And I, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, there was, like, a definitive time where I was, like, what we'd say, like, saved, right? I, I that's I think there's been an evolution of that, but, like, I do feel like there's been an effectual call on me that was not, like, me coming to some intellectual ascent. It was, like, God just was, like, my heart was just softened towards, like, God. It's, like, I, I wanted him. I, I, and I feel like that's, like, that's the God within me drawing me to himself, and I, I can't, I can't, but like, that's been there from a very early age. I think there has been the thing that again, like, it's just the hardest part of faith that I, I've, I've had to deal with is just like that when things are going well, God's happy. And when things are going poorly, like that's somehow direct correlation with like my mm-hmm. faith not being strong enough. Yeah. I cussed mm-hmm. too many times this week, right? Yeah, so therefore yeah. I'm not going to win this race or that's something right. like that. That's right. That's right. Or like, like, yeah, I mean like God, like you, like you gave me this, like, why would you give me this, this gift of running and then like get me injured or I have like such a mental struggle with the sport all through college. Like, so it, it was, it was really seeing God in terms of what he could do um, as opposed to like this, this relationship that was like really independent of any sort of like circumstantial or thing or even identity that's been bestowed or, or given you know, earthly, you know, in like an earthly title. So, so, but like it is, I think as I've gotten older, it's like this, I mean, I, I think there's been like just constant refinement and growth. I would say like I came to follow Christ at like a young age, third or fourth grade, kind of in that ballpark. And I think that like, as life has happened, God has been faithful to allow me to endure and go through so that like the parts of these, like these, these areas of brokenness could be exposed and healed, but also like identities that were built up on things that like, are not that are like built up on things that, that would, would elevate Sandy have been like, God has been faithful to knock those down in ways that like, man, there, he has just brought over 
like a, a tremendous amount of like humility. I love one of my favorite proverbs, Proverbs fifteen thirty three, where it says uh, the fear, the um, the fear, wisdom, um, the beginning of wisdom is 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 the fear of the Lord and humility before honor. And I love those two things of like. Like to 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 really begin to think we're wise is to actually know like where you stand stand rightly before this God, but then like don't get it twisted like in this world you will have trouble. John sixteen says so. It's like know that like humility and like working out of like less of our like working through that like this is not a our doing but really God's hand of favor is like that, and that's a humbling process and period or a humble humbling acknowledgement, but like. That doesn't mean that God does not want to honor us or give us things. I do believe that he He does that. But like there is like the humility. So I, I would say I've been in a, a de, you know, uh, let's see, I'm 33, for, you know, probably two decades worth of humility, of humility building <laughs> uh, or being hum, just just being humbled and uh, in good way, like in, in, in purposeful ways, but like just just being reminded of like how I see life in ways that I think are not of God. And then also two of like ways in which I like want me, I want people to know about Sandy. I want like my name. I want my accomplishments. I want to be known in these like ways as like a great realtor, great runner, wise, smart, you know, all these things. And, and so mm-hmm. um, kind of a long answer, but faith has absolutely always been there, but in just different ways. And it's been, fa- but God has been faithful to humble me every step of the way. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Beautifully said. I think uh, I'll just add my my two cents just because I feel like you guys both got to say like good things about faith. And I don't know if this is a bad thing to say about faith, but I feel like my faith is always like it's stronger the more I'm removing certainties. And I don't know if that is like, a weird seductive thing I've pulled, I'm pulled to, but it's the same way uh, you talked about leading with brokenness, Sandy. Like I'm really attracted to people who can remove filters. Like they're, they're not blinded by some miscommunication or some fancy statement. Like they really see a thought clearly and all the way through. And, you know, I grew up in, you know, Sounds like a similar, like, to you, Tommy, uh, Baptist kind of tradition. And, like, I felt a lot of guilt. And when things were going badly, I did think it's because I was being a bad person. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And I I felt freed when I started to realize the way systems worked and, like, probability and causation. And, like, I... I kind of got away from like God causes everything to work out for good or there's a reason for everything. Got away from all that to just like some real grounded thinking. And where I've come almost full circle is a lot of the people I respect the most, they do have a really strong relationship with Jesus Christ. And that relationship with Christ, as far as I can tell, seems not that different from somebody who's really in touch with themselves and like the reality of what they're going through. So like you talked about, you know, the things we talked about, truth and grief and your relationship with running, like 
is it uh chariots of fire the when mm. i run i feel is pleasure yeah like, yeah i i think that that somebody who's really in touch with their passion and the gifts they've been given like it's almost impossible to separate that from like being in touch with a creator for like practical purposes and so like that's neither here nor there for any Body still listening who has their doubts or like, you know, Christianity is BS type of mentality. Like, I guess my problem with the faith has always been, it seems like there's a little merit system for people who are the strong believers who are really like, oh, this person's all the way in. And I always thought that seemed silly to me. So yeah. I only say that to kind of counterbalance. No, it's good. It's good. I mean, that part of that is, uh, I, I've, and I've seen it, like, especially being like the church I go to, which we're a kind of a sister church to vintage uh, Tommy, but like, it's called Vision, where we're, we used to be part, my pastor knows Tyler, and, and uh, so, yeah, but um, there, the, what, the seminary intellectual drenched Christianity, Western culture, Western kind of evangelical, especially evangelical church in particular, like, there really is a, I can't help it. Like there is like a, there's people that can fake it hard and make it to the top. And we've seen it, unfortunately. And, and I say fake it. It's, it's, and maybe it is real, but like there are parts that, that don't get checked. And then we've seen that with, uh, unfortunately with like the exposure, uh, the exposure of a uh, Robbie Zacharias. I don't know if y'all saw that. Mm. Um, the apologist who, who passed in 2020, but like essentially was leading a secret life in a kind of a sexual sense. Um, really, really unfortunate. Carl Lentz, pastor of Hillsong was, was kind of ministering in levels of like kind of high celebrity, which, you know, they, there needs to be ministry there too, but like end up having an affair. So these are the things that kind of get publicized, but these, these are very, I mean, in the celebrity culture of Christian and Christian leaders, like the meritocracy, which we, you know, we say the gospel is the anti is, and unfortunately doesn't play out it, it, the way I see it play out is, is actually more in line with what you said, Dusty. So all that to say, I, I will end with this much. I it because we both know him, but it, it it draws me to people in particular like Josh Reed, who I think the way the way I have heard him talk about, and I know it comes from a deep place of feel of like of of experiencing that communion with God. It's like there's something to that that is absolutely real that I want to be close to because I know he's close to God. And, 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 and it's, it's so, it's so authentic and it's like, it's different than what I'm hearing in a lot of other spaces that I'm like, yeah, like I need to, God, there's certain people that when I've in my life, I'm so thankful for like Josh, I need to be closer to and learn more from, because I know that the way they speak of you, God is comes from a place that they've, they've experienced that communion, not to say they're perfect or they don't have it all together. They don't. But those are the people that I want to sit up under and be mentored or, or we would say like discipled by. Um, and I want to spend the rest of this life for, for who I learn by, you know, sitting under those people. Yeah. Tommy, have I know I've mentioned him to you before, but have you met Josh before? I have. I've not met Josh, but you have mentioned yeah. that. You have mentioned him before. Yeah. I, I need to have him on here sometime and just like roll out all my all my complaints and gripes about spirituality and Christianity and let him, he does, he does an incredible job of handling those discussions graciously and like eruditely. I always feel smarter 
and better well, yeah, informed I mean, when I come away Josh, from it. Josh is brilliant. Like he's just a different, like Lord has blessed him with a gift of, of he's, he's well read, well listened, and he can articulate well in ways that I will never be able to, but that's why I love sitting up under and just having, but he can also just break down in like some real accessible ways. And he just encourages well too. like, good gosh, man. Like that's the kind of Christian leader and, and person and, and follower of, of, you know, apprentice of Christ that I, I want to be. If what I, sure. One of the things I'm thinking of, and then we can shift gears, Dusty, because uh, I don't know about you, Sandy, but but we're on the other side of 35, and so bedtime comes <laughs> comes really quick. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, one of the what, just there's just there's just this kind of like image in my head as I as I think about this, and and uh, Dusty, you mentioned it, Sandy, you mentioned it, that like what when someone has a true connection with God and they're living their life in that way, you the, you they're they're indistinguishable. Like, you know it, they don't have to tell you about it. You just know it. And this image is coming to my head is when, you know, there's, there's this musician, Butch Walker, that I'm a big fan of. Incredible talent, better, probably maybe better producer and songwriter than he is um, a musician, but also a great performer. And when you're watching someone like that perform and they're playing the guitar and just absolutely shredding the guitar, it's not Butch Walker playing a guitar. It's not, you're not, you're not even noticing the guitar. They are each other. Like they, they are the, and so in that same way, like when he's up there, you're watching this and you're like, that is a, that's a level of almost spirituality, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because there's not, it's in they're, they're indistinguishable from each other. He doesn't have to tell you he's playing guitar. He's not, uh, you know, he's authentic. He's not faking the, the playing of it. And so that, that image is kind of coming to mind that when you are in the presence of, of people that, you know, are, are, are passionate followers, they, they don't at every, at every break, they don't say peace be with you. Right. <laughs> right. It's not this like faked inauthentic thing. It's a very real thing and it doesn't even need to be addressed in a lot of cases. It's just there in its presence. So anyway, well, I, I was going to say, I mean, let's be honest, Dusty. I mean, like if Josh was like fake, you wouldn't have spent the amount of time you had, you know, talking with him. Right. No, no chance. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I think in, no in itself, that, they're right. That that speaks to, I think, your point, Tommy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you got the goods or you don't. So, <laughs> uh, a couple quick hitters. Like, I want to wrap up a couple quick thoughts yep. on uh, yep. that we've kind of left hanging out there, and then we'll move into some quick hitting questions. Do our weekly segments, and we'll we'll bring this thing home. But uh, I guess real quickly, what's your what's your weekly running regiment look like now? What's the current relationship to running? Yeah, so I have made this like mental shift of like I'm gonna I want to go longer, and I've always like there's I have a couple I mean goals before I kind of like just run truly just in a sense of like casually when I want to. I'd like to run a fast like two road races, a 10k in distance, like ideally under 30 minutes and i'd like to run a half marathon i'd love to break like 105 an hour and five minutes in the half marathon um wow. or like like the two goals any any uh, interest in like the david goggins like 200 mile slugs no zero zero i mean like i'll do long <laughs> runs of like two hours or like 20 20 plus miles but like ultra stuff really doesn't do it for me like i'd rather like like and I say longer distance I mean so like right now I'm trying to get in between I'm kind of basing out doing about 10 to 12 miles a day 
Um, and I'd like to get up to about like 85, 90 miles a week and hold that for a period to kind of build a base to get ready. I'd like to do a fall half marathon. So that's what I'm doing, which is kind of like time on, I mean, you, you know, but it's, it's, it's a, still, I'm trying to run like most of my runs are around six minute pace. Like I'm, it's not like I'm trying to go out and do like ultra where I'm like on my feet for like five or six hours on the Saturday, like zero part of me wants to do that. Um, <laughs> on the, on the half, are you going to stay in Raleigh or are you going to find a more uh, friendly course? Yes. Friendly. I, Richmond is probably where I'll go. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard good things. I, I, uh, you know, running my, my marathon in Chicago, I found out was just a complete blessing. Oh, that's so, a, that's a, that's a, that, that course always is, is historically fast as long as the weather's nice. Yeah. And it was great. And so what's funny about it is like, you know, you run the, what ends up being about 27 miles, um, on the tracker and I, whatever the elevation was, I took like a week. And then I did a six mile run in Hickory, North Carolina the following weekend. And mm -hmm. my elevation on the six mile run was triple what the total elevation change had been for the entire marathon in Chicago. I was like, <laughs> okay, that could not have, could not have worked that better for me. But, uh, I wanted to ask about the, the runs around here in Raleigh that you guys are putting on. Uh, Greenway 20k in April. That's right. That's the first. So the the city had like a all events up to 20 March 31st. Uh, we're not allowed, you know, not to. But we were the, we're like the first like post that we the city gave us approval. We have we have a good relationship with them and the events folks with the city, and so they gave us the go ahead. We we definitely got it. We're going to have to stagger it out in waves, but we are doing a point to point race of 20k, which is a little under half marathon. We would have loved to do a half marathon distance, but we just couldn't make it work with like the point to point within the context of how you know COVID. Um, so it's going to be a fast point to point starting out kind of, uh, near the waste management out near like where the sun, sunflower and sunflower uh, fields were on the noose river trail. Mm -hmm. And then you go, you hit up Anderson point and then get on the Raleigh green finish right there, kind of near gateway plaza. So yeah, we're that's on the April the third and we're getting real pumped for that. Yeah. Um, I've been bouncing around in my mind. I've, I haven't been doing a ton of running. Yeah. So it would be it would be a longer run than I'm prepared for, but like I'm itching. Like I it's been winter. I just wanna I wanna go. Well, I think you should do it. Um if you end up doing it, I, I may or may not know one of the meet the uh one of the meat directors who could probably get you a uh, <laughs> a, 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 a code, uh, also known as Team Roberts. So uh just let me know if you if you want in. That sounds fantastic. Maybe, also, we should, also, maybe we should podcast. Maybe we should both do it and podcast while we're doing it. While running? Yeah, that'd be <laughs> real exciting for people. Dusty, I'm dying. I think I'm dying. Taking, taking 20 seconds per sentence, which yeah. I guess isn't that much different than my usual, is I'm thinking about the words mm -hmm. I'm going to say. <laughs> so is that, uh, I should ask, because I don't, I don't know, I'm, I'm not, is that a race that's kind of open to anybody? Yeah, it's open to anybody. So it's open to the the it's, it's like a, the public. Um, you know, I mean, we're we're starting at seven a.m. We're gonna do fifty people max per thirty minute waves, and and mm -hmm. we're gonna take that out for as long, you know, up to like potentially eleven thirty or twelve. Um, 
And so basically you get dropped off, you know, you'll start, we, you know, ask people to start with, we're going to give them like the gate, you know, the, the, the gators, yeah. the ones you can yeah. pull up. And if you're passing people, you know, pull it up, but just basically just be cognizant of your distance and then we'll send people on. And then in the next 30 minutes, we'll, we'll send another group and we'll do that, you know, for as, as long as our, you know, cause we'll probably have between five and five, 600 people probably over the, that span. That's awesome. And we can put it in the notes, but if you want to shout out like where someone can sign up for that. Yeah, actually greenway 20 com or uh, just go to SirWalterRunning.com and you'll see it on there. I think it's, I think we have the, uh, the URL of greenway 20 com, but I, I know if nothing else, SirWalterRunning.com will take you there. Cool. Yeah. Both of them work, but I can confirm the greenway 20 K. Okay. Okay. Like I said, awesome. I've, 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 I did a couple times thinking about it. Uh, so I am going to spend some time on this out of pure curiosity. I'm sorry, Tommy. I've, I've got to squeeze it in. Um, okay. I had a friend who he's run a couple marathons, uh, Mike Mabunga, Tommy. Oh yeah. Who he listened to our last podcast and where we talked about you were coming on to the next one. And so he texted me like, Dude, ask him about his dad stuff, like, which is funny that you brought up the, the eating earlier. But when I mentioned, I was like, I don't know, like a 15 minute 5k, like in the range of the fastest time. He's like, it's like, dude, I got to know, like, what's he eat? Like, what's good for training? Like, <laughs> so I guess, uh, does that stuff matter that much? Or is that like things you dial in? Like, I don't know when you're shaving milliseconds yeah i mean just put simply moderation is so important and i just can't emphasize i i do have like a i do eat gluten-free um like simple things like people just don't hydrate well um like drinking enough water in the day like simple things that you like hear over and over again that aren't sexy like it sounds sexier to say you're doing the whole 30 or like you're on some new diet or, or like you know going into ketosis or whatever but like reality is like moderation you're hungry eat if your body's craving something give into it to some extent um you know sweets are not bad you know they shouldn't be the main part of your meal but like eating in moderation with i would say regularity like at certain point try to stay on it um i think that uh that's all you need yeah i couldn't be more on board with this i, I t when i talk about nutrition i always hammer home the fact that like the basics make up 99% of what you need to know. And it's, I always yeah. compare it because I make everything a basketball analogy. I always compare it to people getting obsessed with like the minor aspects of a player's game. It's like, Oh, well he's great because of his handles or his passing or like, Oh, the, he really understands the pick and roll. And it's like, Okay, like LeBron James is good because he's six nine and fast. Like it's <laughs> it's it's not some mystery about like the details of his game. Like you can talk about that, but like ninety percent of it is that he was born with a set of gifts that are otherworldly. So chalk it up. Yeah. Uh, real quick. Yes. Tommy, I'm I'm tacking it on. What's one positive you've seen bubble up in your life due to the pandemic, the last 12 months of plus of COVID? Mm, just more time with my wife, um, which has been great. Just, you know, getting to spend more time with her and 
and just trying to make sure that that's like intentional time, not just time together, but not intentional. I would say put simply. Mm. So true. It's probably if you he's can... hinting at a, a recommendation that I might make in this, on this podcast. We'll save it for the recommendation. <laughs> This is, uh, I, I sometimes skip this question, but based on this conversation, I'm going to it. If you could put your current brain inside of your 12-year-old self, what does the rest of your life look like? Ooh. Man, I would really not try to tie performance to identity as much. I would, excuse me, I just try to, I would try to say, Sandy, you are going to be hell bent to define everything you do by performance. You'll have some great ones. You'll have some really poor ones. You're not as good as you think you are. You're not as bad as you think you are. If you can just, if you can realize that, um, you will just save a lot of headache. That's really cool. I like that. Yeah. Everybody needs to hear that. Um, I just love this one too much not to ask it. What purchase of $100 or less has most positively impacted your life in the last six months, year, et cetera? <laughs> well, it's slightly over 100 because I got a discount, but I did just buy a Garmin, and that's the first time I've ever had a smartwatch. I've always had like the Timex ones, and uh, it's going to revolutionize like my like Strava. Like I want to get into Strava, but it's like – I now know like what pace I'm going regularly and I'm not saying it's a good thing. Like it's like revolutionized in the sense of like, I'm joining the fitness community, you know, but um, <laughs> cause I've had, I've had some buddies, even old teammates be like, bro, you've got to get on Strava, you know, cause that, that, that that's another, I'm like with how like performance driven I am. Like I don't need another like metric of like how I compare. Yeah. Suck um, you right in. Yeah, totally. And, and I'll just give in, I'll give in wholesale. So but I did get this watch uh, at, at a very nice discount at uh, Runology, my local running store, and uh, pl- plug to Alex Warren and crew. And uh, it's it's the Garmin Forty Five, which is like the baseline one. I I, I it's I, I had to make like a, a, a very small transition, so I didn't want to jump into like the two the two thirty five or the mm-hmm. you know the six seven or nine hundred whatever the you know. It's like I just need the basic. I'm coming off my Tomex, so. I've been uh, I've been looking. I've been itching. I I think it's hard for me not to just go Apple Watch just because I've I'm doing Apple stuff. But I I might hit you up off air to take this take this offline, Tommy. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) To dig into the the watch questions. Yeah. Um. But should I be going to Runology instead of Capital Run Walk? Absolutely, hands down. Yeah, Capital Run Walk is owned by like Jack Rabbit, which is a hedge owned by a hedge fund. It's not local anymore, even though there's, you know I would go to Runology or it's a local independent running store. Fleet Feet's mm-hmm. good too, but Runology is closest to you. Well, actually, you might be equidistant potentially to Fleet Feet up at Wade Avenue. Um, or at, uh, I'm Whole super Food. close to to Run Walk in Cameron Village. Yeah. which is why I've gone there in the past. I used to work there. I used to work there when it was locally owned and independent. It is not anymore. I, good people. I know some of the people who still work there, but I like to, I still got to support as independent as possible. All right. Runology. I'm making the change. Sold. Good. Uh, all right. I think Tommy, 
weekly segments. Are you ready? Let's go. Sandy, uh, I hope you'll stay on for these. What we do is we ask one question from the We're Not Really Strangers self-reflection edition. So okay. it's, uh, it's just a pack of cards with a question meant for self-reflection, and we just answer them uh, shoot from the hip here. Awesome. And then we make one recommendation. can be a piece of advice, a service, a book, a movie. So we'll do those two things, and we'll wrap it. Cool. So the uh, finding ourselves question of the week. Which one of my mistakes taught me the most this past year? What did it teach me? Let it sink in. Which one of my mistakes taught me the most this past year? And what did it teach me? I'll take a stab. Can we take a stab? Classic. You, you know I dive right in. Classic see early in the shot clock. <laughs> so I take, that way I can take a second shot if needed. <laughs> um, you know, for, for me, obviously this last year, this is like our entire last podcast, right? This, the last year has been a pandemic. Uh, probably, you know, early on when, um, you know, Annie wasn't working. So we had, and, and both kids were home from school and I, you know, I was still working, trying to be a Cisco employee, a husband and a dad all at one time. So like being on a, on a work call when my ear is also out to like maybe a disagreement that's happening between the boys or, you know, one of them's throwing a tantrum and not being able to be present in both places at the same time and also not setting up. So, so that led me to say when I'm working, I need to set up the space that I can work and however that needs to be, I need to make sure I do that. And when I'm parenting, I can't also have my mind and my ear on work. And so yeah. it taught me to, in, in this weird world that we live in, but I think it translates as well, when you're engaged in something, just like when we do this podcast, I kind of put my phone to the side. I need to be in that. Um, otherwise, it's getting you know 50% of my attention. So that, yeah. that's probably- You can't half-ass two things. Yeah. You got a whole ass one thing. One thing. Yeah, be careful when you ask me to do that. I've been riding the Peloton, so- Ah, you see some, <laughs> you see some hypertrophy in the glutes, but uh, as if they needed it. <laughs> I'll go. Uh, thank you for sharing, Tommy. Absolutely. Um, I'll I'll conflate two things that I think are a similar lesson. Um, as some people, as some listeners know, Tommy is well aware. Uh, I have been renovating my carriage house for a while. Did a demo in August and then got quotes on what it would take to renovate it into a home gym. It's going to be used as our office and, you know, home of the podcast. And, uh, you know, the quote came in pretty steep, too steep. <laughs> So we shopped it and we eventually landed on a better price with, uh, you know, we'll see if we like the contractor or not. We don't have as strong a referrals for them, but 
the price at least got in the neighborhood of what we thought was fair. And, uh, well, it's still not done, right? There were permit issues. It took forever to find the person. And now we're in a place where like, yeah, we're saving these thousands of dollars, but it could have been done by now. And we've lost all this time. Similarly, we set out a very conservative uh, social plan around COVID. And we're feeling the tension in our home. It, we've had some flare-ups. We've been getting on each other's nerves. And, you know, Katie and I have good communication model. I think we'll be fine. But I think that there is this sense that when you make conservative choices, that you are raising the floor of potential outcomes. And I don't know that that's as true as we convince ourselves to believe. And I would count both of the way those things were handled. It's hard to call them mistakes because, hey, we made the choice. We are saving the money. Hey, we made the choice. We didn't get COVID. Like it turned out exactly how those choices we're going to turn out, but something is lost there. And, uh, I don't know that taking the risk was actually riskier. So I don't know. I'll leave that where it is. Okay. Um, I'd say I'm not supposed to answer. Or is this, it's off to you. Here. Okay, yeah, cool. no, jump in. I'd say, um, the biggest mistake that I've, that I've come to understand and learn. It was like, at 33, with trying to juggle, trying to build a career, be a part of, lead a non-for-profit, and then also, you know, be also be very available to minister with and to people through church and other things, um, which is not ever an efficient uh, thing to do, um, that I could continue to put the effort to go after this elite goal, like breaking four minutes. And... Mm. I think I became the mistake was thinking that I could juggle it all and the disappointment that has come out of it. I think I was just not taking the assessment of like, man, I am trying to achieve something that more people have climbed Mount Everest than have broken four minutes in the mile ever in the world. That's wild. So like, so, so I can't expect to try to live like the social and like just the, my life calendar and then try to squeeze in such an elite goal and I did and I but I you know I put forth tremendous effort and did the work required but it it, it came at a mental cost and I feel like that I did not take mm -hmm. that into account and I think that has has that it's take it took, has taken longer to realize that than 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 I um than I thought it than it, than it probably should have and so um the mistake is probably just thinking like Man, you can only like when you go after one. Sometimes you just got to hedge to do one thing really well for a season, and uh, I don't know if I've ever really done that. But I, I don't know. So the mistake, what I've learned is like sometimes it's okay to go in on one thing. It's not forever, but you got to like just kind of put all the chips in and say no to a lot and be really disciplined in saying no so that you can be all in on one thing and didn't have a definitive mm -hmm. time period as opposite to like this indefinite. Like I'm gonna, I'm, I'm still working towards. Well, you know, you're not, I'm not getting, you know, my, my, my fast twitch muscles have a, have, have definitely an age in which, you know, they're not getting any faster. Yeah. Now, thanks for sharing, Sandy.
Man, we're all we're all grappling with time, aren't we? Classic middle aged kids <laughs> knocking on the door of middle age. Uh, all right, recommendation, Tommy. You, uh, I'll I'll go ahead and go first. Get out, yeah, of man. Um, yeah. So before I make my recommendation, I would say if you're in the Raleigh area, you know, check out Sir Walter Myler. And uh, if you're looking to get into running, sign up for the local races. That I can say I've done enough with like the uh, the pop up miles. Yep. Um, that it's a legit community there, and there's there's people to plug into and get to know. Uh, if you're outside of that, which you know our global fan base is definitely all over the place, uh, check out Team and Training. And Team in Training is a fundraising division of the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Uh, I signed up with them to run the Chicago Marathon. I certainly was not fast enough to qualify for a major marathon. But by raising the requisite amount of money, uh, I believe it was 3000 It comes in tiers, right? But I think 3000 was like the minimum. Uh I was able to run in a legit world-class event that I, I mark as one of the coolest experiences of my life. And they have a ton of things, you know, hiking mountains, biking exotic locations, uh, Ironmans in Hawaii, right? Like you can do a lot of crazy stuff. So team and training, um, it's, and that plugs you into an app, uh, a training plan, which I ignored foolishly, but it's a great way to get going. And I don't know if I had done, uh, you know, some some random marathon that I'd have felt as hooked. I probably would have, right? The event itself is is awesome, but like I know for a fact I'm going to run another one in my life because the event was so awesome. So check it out. Uh, right now, I'm really into the Christian theologian Henry Nowen, who passed away. He was from Canada, spent time in France, was lived a life of celibacy, but has written some very accessible work. Um, Henry is H E N R I N O U W E N. I'm read read reading a book on his right now, which I, you know, it's on Christian reflections on Christian leadership, uh, but. I'm really into him right now. He is just really grace-filled, spent a lot of time with a, a disabled community in France and, and wrote from that place. Um, and just uh, just a, a true, I just love, um, and there's just a humility that comes from his writing and it's simple. And uh, I've really drawn to what he's had to say. So that's something I would uh, just recommend. Henry Nowen, just to maybe, maybe look him up. Spell the last name again. It's N-O-U-W-E-N. Henry Nowen. Okay. Yeah, and uh, just a reminder for everybody, all recommendations will be in the show notes of the pod. So, Cool. Thank you. Um, So I'll just hit with two quick ones. If you live in North Carolina and you ever drive out east toward Greenville, uh, Bee's Barbecue is bomb. It's the best barbecue I've had in North Carolina. Hands down. It's just the best. So it's and it had Sam Jones yet that just opened up in Raleigh. I mean, it, it's gonna it's gonna be it, it'll be compared to uh, 
to bees. Okay. For sure. I'll uh I'll save the drive till I've heard the cop. <laughs> uh the other thing, um, I was thinking about this. It this may seem uh obvious to people without kids, but date nights. Do date nights with your wife and do your best to not talk as much about the kids as you can. Um, it's it's something I'm personally not great at setting up. My wife's really good at just setting up a reservation and getting a sitter. And admittedly, I need to be better about, about doing it myself, but the reconnection that happens in the two or three hours and getting dressed up and going to dinner does wonders for weeks at like weeks. It's almost like recharging the batteries. So big nights. That's my recommendation. Good word. So good. I haven't been on a, I was scrolling through, uh, pictures for, I forget what I was trying to grab one for the last picture on my phone of just me and my wife together is from October. (laughs) It's just insane. Got to get out there. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm slacking. This, this has been Dude, incredible. Sandy, I can't say yeah, thank man, you it's, enough, It's man. been great. I've never met you before, man. So it, it was really great to meet you. And hopefully, you know, soon I know. We, can, we can meet in person, man. I, I would love that. Well, I mean, obviously your last name is just so memorable. I've, I've, <laughs> uh, that I've known you about you for, or heard of about you for a long time. And, and, and when you're referring to Matt and Joanna, that's, that's Pittman, right? Yeah. Pittman, yeah, Pittman. Yeah. 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 D- Dust- Dusty and I run in a lot of the same, uh, transplant Raleigh circles. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I've been, I mean, I'm from Raleigh originally, but have been brought into these circles through a lot of it is these, this Wednesday morning Bible study and these guys. Uh, and then obviously some of my work in real estate with Matt Pittman and, yeah. uh, which, uh, think the world of him, we actually got coffee a couple weeks ago. Um, so good good get heavily get to know him more but uh it was an honor to be on here i, I value obviously i know dusty a little bit better but i mean by extension value both both of you guys and really it considered an honor i told my wife this earlier i said it is uh it's an honor to be asked onto a podcast regardless whether it's one listener or ten thousand. but it's an even bigger honor when it's by peers um so mm-hmm. i don't take that lightly much That's appreciated awesome, man Dude, are you? Uh, I gotta ask. You coming to book club tomorrow? I will not be there. Ah, <laughs> I, 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 I'm gonna podcast I, I, I know, over. I know, I know. <laughs> I, I'm I'm gonna hop back on next month. I this is you know for for no no good reason and just a lack of discipline. It it uh, I haven't have not kept up with the reading, but this is not my exit. It's just a, a brief hiatus. Well, see, this is the problem, Sandy. We've just had a whole conversation. I know you have. A deep well <laughs> of grit and discipline. <laughs> yeah, I just not applied to this reading. <laughs> the great divide. I did not do that. Dude, how good, man. It's uh it's been awesome. I loved getting into some things we normally don't always have the time. You know, it's a social setting usually with a predetermined topic. So it was cool to yes. just dig in on some of that stuff. So totally, totally. I'll talk to you again soon, brother. Take care of yourself. All right. Thanks, yep. guys. Thanks, guys. See All you, Sandy. Fellas. Okay. Thank you.